0: Hey, you guys, it's Randy Holsey with Backstage Pass Radio. It's going to be a rock and roll show today. My guest this evening is a Southern California-based lead vocalist for the long-running band Junkyard. They have been paying their dues and entertaining their fan base worldwide since the mid-'80s. I will visit with David Roach of the band Junkyard when we return.
1: This is Backstage Pass Radio, the podcast that's designed for the music junkie with a thirst for musical knowledge. Hi, this is Adam Gordon and I want to thank you all for joining us today. Make sure you like, subscribe and turn alerts on for this and all upcoming podcasts. And now, here's your host of Backstage Pass Radio, Randy Halsey.
0: David, welcome to the show, brother. How you doing? Happy New Year to you. I'm
2: well. Happy um, birthday New year to you as well. It's, fun, it's <laughs> funny.
0: It's funny that you say happy birthday. Yesterday was actually my birthday, so you didn't mess that oh. up. By the way, <laughs> you you have the crystal ball that you didn't even know about. Smart guy. I know all <laughs> the all knowing. <laughs> the all knowing. Now I think the that right. I I think that Samantha may have exchanged a couple of emails with you. And was it my understanding that you may be moving to? Tennessee, or or talk to me a little bit about that. Are you in, you're in Southern California now? Correct.
2: I'm on the mid-central coast. I'm in the mountains above Ventura.
3: Okay. Okay.
2: Near Ojai. I don't know if you're familiar. But yep.
3: Yep.
0: Living in a shed with a beautiful view and uh, loving life. They say sometimes that's about all you can afford to live out in California is just to live in a shack somewhere, right, <laughs> or a shed.
2: Yeah. I literally live in a shed. I actually work, live on the property where the guy that I work for, he has some property here and we, you know, I just do some handyman stuff for him.
0: Yeah. Got a little deal worked out, right? Yeah. It's, it's affordable. Yep. I hear you. Now you, I, I probably have the only affordable
2: place in California. The, <laughs> <States>.
0: <laughs> the only affordable place and you, and you're in it.
2: Yeah. Uh, there's no plumbing or anything. I got an extension cord and a hot plate, but,
0: uh, you know, I'm a simple man. That's right. That's right. You wrote the song about it. You've been in the rock and roll life for a long time. How, how have you seen the music business and the music scene change over the past 30 years? Can you speak to that a little bit?
2: I don't know a damn thing about the music business anymore. Um, I guess there's some bands that are still doing it, but, um, you know, it's changed a lot and I really have no grip on it. You know, um, we're on a small label and, um, I don't know how you get your music heard anymore. You know, we're lucky. I mean, you know, we get on YouTube and we're able to do it that way and try to reach out to as many people as we can. But, um, it's a, it's a, I mean, the music business was fucked up 35 years ago. So, um, I really have no understanding of how things work anymore.
0: Some things are how you get, some things viral
2: are, or whatever,
0: right? And it probably some things are probably better left not knowing, right? I, I I haven't been, even though I'm a professional musician here in Houston, Texas. I I don't do music for a living, so I I can't say that I've ever been in the industry. So I don't know what the industry is like. I didn't know what your take on it was, but the, I, I think the the indie labels or the smaller labels there's probably a little less stress with those guys than there is the major labels i would think right
2: much less stress <laughs> yeah and much less success but um you know everybody in the band has their job and i'm blessed to have uh, my my drummer and my guitar player take care of that end. i uh have no zero interest in the business end of things right i just i
0: just it just sucks the soul right out of me yep yep just give you the microphone. That's all you need, right? That's all I can do, man. I hear you. I hear you. At That's what, all I want to do. Yep. At what age do you think you realize that you would be a rock and roll lifer? Did that come at an at a early age, or did you not kind of discover that till your teen years? Talk to me a little bit about that.
2: Um, I decided I wanted to be a singer when I was six. I used to listen to Rod Stewart, Maggie May. And uh, there was a couple of girls that I had a crush on in first grade. And uh, I would imagine that uh, I would be singing in front of them. And like half the audience was like replicas of one girl. And the other half was replicas of the other girl. Okay. And it was a full room of the same two girls. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I'd sit on my swing in the back portion, and sing Maggie Mae.
0: Well, I can think of worse songs to sing. I've always been a Rod Stewart and a Faces fan, so uh, a good, a good, a good choice there by you for sure. Love Rod Stewart. (laughs) What, what kind of kid were you growing up, David?
2: Um, Just like everybody else, you know, played in the creek and uh, had BB gun fights and um, made trouble and got into yeah. I was lucky, you know, I uh, I grew up right down the street from a place in Austin called the Armadillo World Headquarters. And across the street from that was the uh, Austin Coliseum, and I got to see everybody. I mean, Van Halen, Black Sabbath, Taj Mahal, uh, Devo, I mean, just everything. So, uh, and, you know, Austin's a music town, so uh, I was, you, you know, it was uh, lucky, you, you know, I had the full gamut, yeah
0: were those the bands that you were coming up with i mean what what was in your teen years what was influencing you what were you what were you really into then was it was it more rock and roll or was it was it punk based then but talk to me a little bit about that what was shaping you as well, a musician
2: you know as a kid i was um you know I grew up on the you know, I was really into 50s music, like doo-wop stuff, okay, platters, drifters, that kind of thing. And then I got into the Stones and the Beatles, and then Led Zeppelin. And then by junior high, I was listening to um, ACDC and Judas Priest and that stuff. And uh, then punk rock came along. And you know, because when you're, when you're a kid and you're going to these concerts and you see these big bands you know, they, they look like, it looks like unattainable, you know, they're, yeah. they're on this pedestal that can't be reached. Absolutely. But, um, punk rock, you know, I was getting into shows and seeing guys my age or a little older doing it, you know, and we weren't good, you know, nobody could play their instruments and anything, but you, it gave you that access to say, well, shit, man, if they can do it, I can do it. Absolutely. And so I just started doing it. I started my first band when I was 15 and, uh, you know, I had a couple garage bands. And um, in 86, me and my drummer decided to move to LA because he told me there was a big metal scene going on there. And I said, hell yeah, let's go. So we moved out there and um, started
0: getting going. So that move was directly from Austin, Texas to LA. Is that correct? Yeah. And were you a native Texan up until that time? Yes. Okay. I had heard that you were from, or some of the band was from Texas, but I didn't know exactly where in Texas you were from.
2: Well, me and Chris Gates started the band, found the band, and Chris had actually moved to um, L.A. You kind of dug in there, and we hooked up with him. And we didn't have a place to live, so we stayed at, well, Chris had a job at this like uh punk rock like kind of record music or um clothing store, okay, and we spent the night with him one night, and the owners came in and fired him for having us there and uh so we lived in our cars for a few weeks and then we found our place and then um actually the place we were the place where we uh parked our cars was a place called the sound check and they had a jam night every sunday and that's where we first started playing okay and we just started there doing you know covers like mississippi queen you know got the band together and started playing shows wherever we could find them for you know 20 bucks for a 12 pack of beer or whatever. and um,
0: <laughs> whatever, whatever you can barter, right? <laughs> yep. I hear you. I hear you. You got to get the name and the, and the band out there for sure. And you do that any way you can. Who would you say, like, just from a pure vocalist perspective, who was influencing you during those times from a vocal perspective?
2: Shit. Everything from Bon Scott, definitely, for sure. Right. Um Robert Plant, Otis Redding, you know, Hank Williams, anything like you know, anything with integrity, anything where I could hear they were singing from the heart was appealing
0: to me. Now you you said you and Chris Gates were in Austin, you moved out to LA and so Chris was with you when you formed, of course, Junkyard, correct, in the what was that, the mid eighties sometime?
2: No, that was, um, as I said, Chris had moved out an, a year earlier. He was already in L.A. Okay. And me and my drummer from my my old band, like I said, uh, back then it was the 86. And Austin was a great music town, but it was all like kind of college rock, jangly guitar, R.E.M. type stuff. And we wanted to play rock and roll. So my drummer said... LA's got a big rock scene growing right now. let's go there. And I said, okay.
0: did you hear of a big rock scene in New York as well like Long Island was was there that choice to go to the Long Island area? like I had some guest on my show, a band called zebra who was from New Orleans um, and they said, you know well, we had the the option to kind of go to Nashville or to LA or New York and they wound up knowing some people up in New York. Did you hear about that scene up in New York at the time and you just forwent that and went out to LA or did you not know anything about it?
2: Well, I'm kind of a Southwest guy. So New York was never really an option or not something I ever thought about, but you know, when, you know, Chris had a great concept for the band because, you know, there was so much glam there going on and we knew we weren't pretty boys and we weren't going to be able to pull it off that way. So he kind of created that, you know, Vest and you know yep. tattoos and sleazy image and yep. uh, and um, so but there was that thing going on too in New York with uh, bands like Circus of Power and Raging Slab, yep, the, you know sort of a you know southern but sleazy. With, rock and roll, but not glam thing.
0: Yeah. You know, so we were just trying to get our foot in that door. Now I think Chris was a heavily punk rock influenced musician. Is that, am I correct there? He was
2: in a, a band that was kind of iconic in Austin called the big boys.
0: Yeah. Okay.
2: And um, once we got to LA, we ran into Brian Baker who was in minor thread. Who's also an iconic punk band from DC. So, and, my drummer and bass player pat and todd are from um bands called decry and shanghai and they were pretty well known in southern california so we all have punk rock backgrounds yeah
0: well it was interesting when you say punk rock it was interesting to find out that i think tony alva was in junkyard like before you guys even kind of started recording is 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 that valid like yeah okay
2: yeah tony was in the band for uh not very long you know three or four months um I think one day he said, you guys are going to be nothing but a bar band. And he
0: was right. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, he had your yeah. number, didn't he? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. But hey, man, I had
2: Tony Alva in my band. That's something.
0: That's pretty cool. Well, for so, for so, a little while. Yeah. So for the listeners out there, this is the same Tony Alva that was of the famed, what, Zephyr Skateboard team, also known as the Z-Boys, right, that were, that were huge yeah. in the Santa Monica area. And I guess the show came out later on the uh, Dogtown show. I don't. I don't remember the exact name of it or whatever. Dogtown
2: but, uh, Z Boys. Yeah, know, e- exactly. Thing. Yeah.
0: Now, are you still in any kind of communication with Tony these days?
2: No, I haven't. I haven't heard from Tony in years. Okay. But I think uh, I
0: think he was pretty not, punk. Not, not not be out of
2: you know any animosity or anything. Absolutely. Just, you know,
0: life life the happens. Winds right. Change. Yeah. 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 Well, I think he was a pretty heavily influenced punk guy too. Wasn't he a bass player?
2: Yeah, he played bass with us. Okay. And uh, I don't know what he does now. But, yeah, uh, yeah, he had some bands. I don't know if he still
0: does it. Sure, sure. Yeah. Talk to me a little bit. Yeah, he's a good dude. Uh, So talk to me a little bit about your bandmates. Who are they? Where are they from? So the listeners kind of have an understanding of of who's in Junkyard these days.
2: Okay, well, Pat and Todd, my bass player and drummer, have been in – southern california their whole lives they've been playing together forever which is really great for a rhythm section they have Absolutely. two guys that have played together for so long so they really lock in side note they um they take claim for teaching izzy stradlin how to dress when he first moved to la <laughs>
0: okay izzy stradlin <laughs> um, of guns and roses right
2: yeah yep so um and then um now jimmy james has been our guitar player for about five years now i think okay and he moved from florida with um the rock city angels okay and then he played in another band called the Comatones in la for a long time and he plays with the hangman as well as us and uh he's great he's he's uh i love the way he plays guitar yeah and then tim Mosier is my new, not new. He's been with us since 91 songwriting wise. Well, we've been together for a long time. Yeah, for sure. I call us the, uh, Lennon McCartney of hair metal. <laughs>
0: well,
2: he's got, you know, cause I, I can write lyrics, but I can't make any sense of it. And he, uh, he's great at, um, constructing songs yep. and making melodies and, uh, making it make sense. So, yep. I've been blessed that way between Chris Gates and, Tim yeah,
0: and well, and there's nothing wrong. I mean, everybody has their place, and everybody contributes. That's why they call it a band, right? And I don't think right, that you exactly, have to be, yeah. you know, Mister Songwriter, and nobody else does it. It's just you know, you 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 play off each other's strength, and that's that's what makes the cohesive unit, I believe. You spoke, no, of, yeah. You spoke of Izzy a little bit. That's kind of a segue into the whole Geffen Records thing. I, I know that you guys were signed to Geffen back. I think it was in the late. 80s uh, and you were with them for several years and this was I guess Guns N' Roses was you know one of your label mates at the time correct?
2: Yes I mean so um, when we first started getting Junkyard together uh, Guns N' Roses had just released their first like demo or their like that appetite and um, when they took off and it's not unlike the Seattle grunge scene you know they see something that makes money and everybody got signed yeah i mean 200 bands got signed yep within a few months probably and you know some of them panned out and some of them were shit. yeah so yeah we were riding their tails
0: yep And I think you guys had opened for them in, in, uh, out in Pasadena. Was that like a, was that a one-time thing opening for them? Or did you have multiple dates that you, you were billed with them or.
2: The only time we played with them, there was, um, they played three nights at a place called Perkins palace. And we played one night and faster Pussycat played one night and somebody, maybe LA guns. I'm, I'm not sure, but, um, yeah, it was just a one night stint. Okay, and that was okay. the only time we played with them. Gotcha. But if they would give us a call, we'd love to play with them again. God, right. Damn it!
0: <laughs> call somebody, right? <laughs> Ring my phone. Well, you guys also exactly. You guys also toured a little bit with uh, I think it was Dangerous Toys and even the Black Crows. And it's my understanding that you went to school with Jason McMaster of Dangerous Toys. Is that a, a valid? comment there
2: I went to school with Jason and uh, we worked at a steakhouse together he uh, he did dishes I was a cook and uh, yeah he'd be back there doing dishes and he had like a full gauntlet of metal like armor and <laughs> would uh, listen to Saxon on his cassette player right on
0: <laughs> yeah it's a name I haven't heard in a while Saxon great band from the from the 80s right
2: yeah, uh, Jason turned me on to Motorhead, man. I'll be forever grateful for that. Yeah, that was like '82 or something
0: for sure. Now I think it was it was kind of interesting to hear that you guys or are, are the the Black Crows had opened up for you guys at one time, and then I guess they they hit a springboard somewhere along the way and 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 blew up. Do you still have any contact with? with Chris and the boys there from the black crows at all, or is that kind of a thing of the past?
2: No, they are another band that owes me one. <laughs>
0: they, they, they need to call yeah. you too,
2: right? No, they, <laughs> they, their springboard happened like right in, in the middle of our tour, we were playing San Francisco and, um, James Hetfield was there and I was telling Brian Baker. I was like, Oh man, James Hetfield's here. That's so awesome. he's like, <sighs> Brian says, he's not here to see us. I was mm-hmm. like, Damn. <laughs> so, yeah, we're always on the short end of the stick. But
0: what do they say? You know. Always the bridesmaid, never the bride. Is that is that the old <laughs> exactly. is that the old saying? I've I've been that I've been that one before too myself. Don't uh, don't feel like the Lone Ranger there. Oh no, most of us are Lone Rangers. Well, you know, I think uh, in in doing some studying of you guys over the the past. Um, the past month, I guess, uh, th- th- there's one thing that's been appealing to me about you, David, and it, it's 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 def- It's you're not a sellout, you know. I think Geffen brought you guys in, and. You know they probably it's it's probably what happens to every band where they say you're unique we want you we want to sign you and then they bring you in and then they try to change you somehow correct is that did that sound kind of how the thing went with geffen and is that kind of what happens a lot of times in, in in the business they bring the band in and then try to change them
2: i i don't have to do this interview you've got all the information already yeah you know um, the um it, that's exactly what happened um I, I don't know how familiar you are but we did this video called all the time in the world and um they gave us like 500 bucks each to buy a new wardrobe okay and it was a pretty elaborate um video shoot um but i felt like that was the turning point where like we're selling out right now We're yeah. we're not doing what we want to do. We're doing what they want to tell us. Cause you're exactly right. Mm-hmm. They, they, they sign you because they say, "Wow, you guys are different than everybody else and you're great. And then they try to mold you into something that you're not comfortable with. So yeah, record business sucks, man.
0: I don't, I don't get that. Like, I don't get that. Even f- just from a business perspective in general, if you hire an employee, you're hiring them at face value. You you're high, you hire them for a personality or how they're going to fit into a culture or the tool set in which they're going to contribute to the business, right? You don't hire them and then try to change them into something else. Why wouldn't you just hire that person to begin with so you don't have to remold somebody? Like I don't I don't get that whole thought process, and I'm and I'm I'm not probing you to speak to that. It's just like I, I don't I can't wrap my head around it, and I don't want to go down a rabbit hole about it. But I, you know, if I'm an A and R guy for for a record company, if I wanted a straight driving rock and roll band, I think I'd just go out and find a straight driving rock and roll band instead of bringing a punk rock band in and trying to make them a rock and roll band. Right? That doesn't make sense.
2: Well, I don't want to delve into the minds of A and R people because, like you said, it's a rabbit hole I don't want to go down to. Yep. But um, it's just the nature of the business. And um, I wish we'd, um, you know, been a little more strident in um, protecting our brand and not selling out like that. But I don't think we ever sold out too bad. Yeah. But, I mean, the same thing happened in Seattle, you know. When Grunge when took off, it was the exact same thing as L.A. in the 80s. You know, they hired or they you know got 200 bands and some of them were great i mean god we got pearl jam and nirvana and um a couple others i can't remember right now yeah Um, but you know it's just the same thing you know they they see something that looks like it's going to make money and they just sign it up
0: yep and some of it pans out but most of it don't exactly exactly i had heard you talking to somebody at some point in time. I I don't remember what interview it was, but I I think it was cool that you seem to be an accessible band, like you're accessible to the fans. And I know a lot of bands are not accessible, like they they distance themselves. They don't want to mingle with their fans. Talk to me a little bit about your mindset or the band's mindset around being accessible to your fans and kind of creating the shows for them and not so much for yourselves.
2: Well, I think that you're nothing without your fans. So if you don't, if you, you know, it it goes back to like what I said, when you went, when I went to shows when I was a kid and it seemed so unattainable, you know, seeing these guys on stage, you know, how do I get there? But, um, so we always had that give it back to them, man, because they're all you've got. So Talk to them, be with them, and I'm at the bar, you know, after sound check, hanging out with people, talking all the time because you know they're, they they're the only thing that makes it work. So
0: yeah, why well, can't you give them some time? Ab- absolutely, it,
2: it's it, it's not hard, you know, to hang out with the people that love your music, to hang out with them and and treat them like you'd want to treat any friend or fan,
0: you know, I agree. There are people. I agree. I mean, without them, who are you right at the end of the Nothing. day? Yeah, exactly. It's good that you see that. And I wonder how many music, I think the, I think the mindset has changed over the years. You know, you're probably about my age. And, you know, if you think back to the eighties, when we were going to concerts as teenagers and stuff, it was like Mm -hmm. no cameras, no video recorders, no, no nothing. Of course, it's not the, it wasn't the internet age then, but it was like, it was, it was kind of an us and them kind of thing. Whereas now it's more like they encourage that they encourage the video. They encourage to kind of have the fans part of the show. It just seemed different to me. Maybe it's not. I don't know what your take on that is, but, it seems like the bands well, wanna you know, be more accessible now than they were thirty years ago.
2: Well, I still play with um a lot of bands who um just some of the members have that attitude where they wanna create like a mystique like, you know, we're untouched you know, we're on another plane. Yeah. Or something. Sure. And so they they do sequester themselves and they're only seen on stage and they disappear slip out, the but back you know, door. we're, yeah, yeah we're, we're, very, you know, before the show, after the show, we're always in the mix.
0: Yep. We love them. Well, and I think that that's the right approach. I think you're definitely taking the right, uh, right approach there. I also find it interesting that, you know, a lot of singers want to say that their vocals or the sound that they've created with their vocals is unique But, but I think you, you say, and I I think I've heard you say that you take pieces from some of your favorite performers, like the Elvis Presleys and the Bon Scotts, and you kind of, you kind of meld your sound around them. Is that, is that correct? Like you're, you're proud to say that, right? And I don't know if I phrased my question right or not, but.
2: No, you did. I'm just thinking about my answer. Okay. Um you know the, the the first caveman drawing was the first piece of art and it just expanded from there mm-hmm. um i steal from everybody yeah there's like some old punk rock bands from austin that like that i just stole moves from and you know different like attitudes on stage you know yeah i steal from anything i can get my hands on anything that has some integrity i will fucking take it and use it absolutely
1: because, in that it's, way-
2: you know, it's, it's art, art is shared, you know, and it's uh, nothing's original anymore. So you just got to hopefully, you know,
0: <laughs> we're still playing the same. Right. We're still playing the same chord progressions that we've played for hundreds of years. Right. The chord progressions yeah. have not changed over time. Well, I think it's more attitude
2: than anything else.
0: But. I agree. I agree. I, I would like to uh, feature. A few clips of some junkyard recordings from over the years, some 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 years back and then some more recent. The first clip that I'd like to share with the listeners is a song called Simple Man from the self-titled debut album. Let's take a listen to that and David we'll come back and chat. Okay? Okay. You know, one of the reasons I started this show back in February was just to expose myself to, to new music, and somewhere I stumbled across you guys, David. I, don't, I can't even tell you where. I, I had Adam Hamilton, who is a uh, A-list producer in Hollywood. He was, did a, he was the bass player, did a stint with L.A. Guns for a while, played in a band with a buddy of mine here in, out of Dallas, Texas. I think that might have been, you know, where I found you by way of him and Martinite of Bang Tango. But I have to tell you, Matt, I love this song. I've spun this damn song probably 50 times since I heard it the first time. And it it is a hooky song. I love it. Tell the listeners a little bit about how you came up with it.
2: Well, Chris wrote that song. um, I mean, he came up with the title. Usually, I mean, all our songwriting process starts out. It's, it's, it's always, you know, different. He came up with the title and the chorus. And I write the lyrics, the choruses or the um, verses around it. But that's a prime example of us ripping somebody else off, you know, obviously a Leonard Skinner
0: (laughs) rip off. Sure. To, to an extent, but, um, it was interesting because the first, when I saw the title for the first time, I'm like, oh, they maybe they did a cover of it, right? And then I listened. I said, no, this was not a cover. No, nah, we just stole the name. Would you say that this is one of the more popular songs over the years that Junkyard has done from more of a commercial perspective? If you even, I don't know if you'd even call this commercial or not. But well, it have- I mean,
2: it was definitely one of our... I, I hesitate to say the word hits, but uh, it was, you know, one of our biggest songs is something that the audience definitely wants to hear all the time. I mean, we we don't do a show without it. Sure. The only time we didn't play it was when we toured with Leonard Skinner. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: do, do you remember where the uh, where the video was shot for that song? It was uh, a place in the valley, like San Fernando Valley.
2: They have this old... Kind of Western town that they shot a million movies at. Uh, we did it there. Okay. You know, it's built like a kind of a Western ghost town kind Correct. of vibe. Yep.
0: I wanted to also take the listeners and let them listen to a song called Faded off the 2017 release called High Water. We'll chat about mm-hmm. that when we come back as well. Cool. Say that you know. Unlike the the, uh, the sound of the song "Simple Man," this sounds a little more punk rock influenced. Is, is that a correct statement around well, the song?
2: Uh, yeah, I mean um, Brian Baker wrote that riff. Okay, and um, you can't really sing with conviction if you haven't actually experienced it. Correct. I feel like yeah. And um, so when I wrote the lyrics to that, my engine had just blown up. And that was the first line of the song, and the rest of it is about kind of growing up in the punk scene in Austin, and where we did—we called it wahooing beer, yep. where you'd go into the Seven Eleven and grab a twelve-pack and run out and go wahoo,
0: <laughs> without paying, of course, right? <laughs>
2: not when you're running out the door and you're and you're and you're not old enough to buy beer in the first place.
0: <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not gonna. Uh... Say that I ever did that, but maybe I did, maybe I didn't. I don't know. That's another story. Maybe another another interview. But what, would you say that that song "Faded" was a, a kind of a an autobiographical song of sorts for you at all? All my songs are autobiographical. Okay. All right. Talk to the listeners. I mean,
2: like, like again, you know, you can't sing with conviction if you haven't yeah. experienced it, if you haven't lived through it, if you haven't fucking been there.
0: Yep. I, I did an interview with an uh, an outlaw country guy out of New Braunfels, Texas, not too long ago. And one of the songs I featured, you know, I asked him, I said, hey, you know, you, you talk about some things in this song. And I was just curious how much of them you've lived, you know, the going to jail part. And, you know, I like to smoke a bag of weed and this and that. He's like, all of them, <laughs> you know, kind of like yeah. you. And you sing those songs with conviction because, that's your life. That's that's how you live. That's how you've lived. So you're able to to kind of pour your heart out into those songs, which what resonates better with the listeners. I mean, they take them more serious. I think when they feel like you've lived those songs.
2: Like I said, you could do this interview by yourself, and
0: you know exactly what I'm what I'm about. Well, I think it's a, a part of it's a little bit of uh, a common sense too. But uh, let, let's share one more clip. This is a song called Lifer. It was a song that came out, I think, late 2021 during the pandemic. We'll take a quick listen to that and then come back and chat, David. You know, I'm definitely one of these guys that'll get in the middle of a song and get inside of a song and try to dissect the shit out of it. And I don't want to take the words out of your mouth, but, but share, share with the listeners the thoughts around this song. What, what were you thinking when, when you guys wrote this song?
2: Well, I can tell you the story about how we got the title. Okay. It was, um, that was another riff that Brian Baker, Brian Baker hasn't been in the band for, you know, years. But he still contributes musically, and so him and Tim, my other guitar player, were working the song out. And Brian Baker asked. Uh, somehow Jason McMaster came up, and he and he, he asked Tim like, "What's going on with uh, Jason? How's he doing?" And Tim said, "Well, you know, Jason's a fucking rock and roll lifer," and it was
0: like, "Bam!" There's the title. So it's literally about living the life of a, a rock and roll guy, right? I mean, it's, it's that simple. It's about, you know, that's all
2: you know. It's, it's, it's what you do and um, that it's your life. You're either in or you're out.
0: Yeah. If you were not singing in Junkyard, what do you think you'd be doing for a living? What I'm doing now. <laughs> yeah. I mean I don't sing
2: in junkyard nearly enough to make ends meet so uh you know I swing a hammer I uh you know I've done everything okay worked in warehouses been a cook been a cook for a long time I, I just do whatever it takes to
0: make keep ends the meet lights. Right. On, yep. you know? no I get it I totally get it I didn't know if there was you know a lot a lot of people will um you know do music but they've got some kind of trade behind them you know like I was a welder at one time or, or whatever that might be I didn't I didn't know if if you had one that you know that's great to be handy because I'm not really a handy guy you know when it comes to swinging a hammer I've never just I've never ventured down that path before but I didn't know if you had this this quote unquote trade that you were trained in or whatever right but it sounds like kind of general General type handiwork, correct?
2: Yeah, no, I just learn as I go and I do whatever I can to, as I said again, keep the lights on. Right on. You know, you find a path. Absolutely. Uh, I learn as I go and I do what I have to do to keep a roof over my head, even though it leaks.
0: <laughs> I wanted to ask you a little bit about your vocals in general. In your own opinion, how, how has your voice held up over the years? Uh, I have no idea I don't even know if it does but um lucky I guess maybe yeah
2: seems like I can hit the high notes better now than I could you know maybe 10 years ago interesting so I'm just lucky it's the only thing I can say I don't know
0: yeah I'm I mean, from I...
2: good living that's
1: for sure
0: <laughs> well I was going to ask you if you think in your own words if you if you felt like it's gotten better or 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 worse I know that the older we get being a vocalist myself I know that sometimes we lose range you know the older we get like I tune my guitars down a half step because I can't hit half the high shit that I could you know 30 years ago so I have to cheat a little bit and I didn't know if that was the same for you or not
2: yeah it's a pain in the ass sometimes I mean I, I actually think that I'm I mean and maybe it's just years of doing it I've I've, I've gotten some kind of control over it or something but um i mean like songs like hollywood Mm -hmm. were a pain in the ass when i was 21 okay getting up there and um but i'm still able to kind of pull it off now so
0: um i'm just lucky and you guys are still playing in the same key you recorded in is that a fair statement yeah okay well, good for you, man. I mean, I, I wish well, I near could Well, as say- I
2: can tell, I'm not a guitar player. I don't know what the <laughs> fuck they're doing.
0: <laughs> they just make noise and you sing to it, right? Uh, best I can. Yep. Well, I think you guys might be close, uh, possibly, to releasing some new material. I think, uh, were you had you started working on some stuff last year during the pandemic, and what, can you talk a little bit about where that is today, if that's still moving forward, or if The train has left the station, or what can you say about new stuff coming out from Junkyard?
2: We have about three quarters of an album ready to go, and I'll send you some if you're interested. Absolutely. The demos, but um, when we got back from tour, we played a few weeks in December and came home, and uh, one of our band members has a family crisis that he's dealing with that everything takes a backseat to. Absolutely. So that's on the uh, back burner for now. But, uh, yeah, we got lots of material ready to go. And um, hopefully we'll get it out there this year.
0: Yep. Well, sometimes uh, you know, families first. You know, you gotta. Everything takes a back seat to the family. Um, you gotta, uh, yeah, of course. Know, um, and and I know you you mentioned it before. You mentioned it before we kind of started rolling here. We were having some quote unquote technical difficulties, and I know you said <laughs> that you're not a, a a technology kind of a guy. But how can the listeners find you and the boys online?
2: Well, you can go to Junkyard Blues. That's our you know fan, whatever website website. Okay. Um, or you can just personal message me. I get back to everybody. Okay. I mean, it's just like sitting at the bar at soundcheck. You know,
0: I, I don't ignore anyone. Sure. Sure. I'm big on Instagram. I know that all of you guys have ids on instagram i don't think you're an active person on instagram but but i will mention to the listeners that uh the guys in the band uh todd can be found um on instagram at big muscat uh pat can be found at patrick Mazingo. david can be found at david.roach.3720 tim mosher can be found at tim mosher and jimmy james can be found at jimmy james underscore usa and the cool thing david is that i had samantha go out and add the guys in the band and and i've already chatted with uh with jimmy and tim so they're looking forward to uh this show dropping i'll keep you guys posted and whatnot but let me ask you a few quick fire questions these are these are simple questions that just you know you can elaborate on them if you want but A single answer is certainly fine. They're always kind of fun. And uh, how about this first question is greatest vocalist through David Roach's eyes? Elvis Presley. Okay. If you didn't live in L.A. or in right outside of Ventura, where, where would you live? Where would you call home or like to call home?
2: Well, I always think of Austin as my home, and um, I'm happy where I am now, and I don't really know where to go from here. Yep.
1: If you had to
0: pick a dream job, would you say that you're living it now? No. (laughs) Okay. If you had a dream job, let me rephrase, if you had a dream job, what would that be?
2: Well, I'd like to be a welder like you. (laughs)
0: <laughs> don't 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 take any lessons from me on welding because i don't know how to weld i can tell you that well the
2: thing about um my idea to move to tennessee is i got a friend there who opened up a gas station with a cafe and um i always um wanted to run my own little cafe sweet like that's a be cool. breakfast yeah. and lunch diner yeah. type place because i'm a really good cook not to honk my own horn, but I am. I make great biscuits. So, but like I said, I got pushed to the back burner too. Okay. And um, that might not happen until later this year, but we'll see what happens. Yeah.
0: Well, I've never been a cook. You're you one up me there. It'd probably take me an hour to make minute rice. So I I try to I I try to stay out of the I try to stay out of the kitchen and leave leave that to the professionals. You know what I'm saying? Like I can I can make a bowl of cereal pretty well, but uh, yeah, much much past that you lose me. Um, So I hope that 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 pans out at some point in time. That would be a, a cool thing there. Are you an early bird or a night owl? Both. I don't sleep much. And if you had a favorite song in the junkyard catalog to play live, what song would that be for you guys or for you specifically? Shit. Is there one that does it for you on stage?
2: Well, I always like playing blues because the crowd digs it and I dig it. Um, And I like doing lost in the city too, because we don't do it very much. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I love doing Clean the Dirt, which wasn't written by us,
0: but uh, I still love singing it. All great songs there. David, I I wanted to uh, thank you for joining the show and, and sharing your stories with the listeners. One of the reasons that I started the show was to just expose the listener to things that maybe they haven't heard before, including myself. I've thoroughly enjoyed the music of Junkyard. I've, I've shared that with friends since, since I've kind of discovered you guys along the way, and hopefully that more will discover you guys and take a liking to the music that you have out there and the newer stuff that hopefully will come out here pretty soon. I asked the uh, Listeners to follow Junkyard and the boys on all their social media platforms. I also ask that you support the band by purchasing the music and the merch online. And then certainly if they're in a city near you, play and certainly get out and support them. I ask the listeners to like, share, and subscribe to the podcast. You can always find the show on Facebook at Backstage Pass Radio Podcast. On Instagram at Backstage Pass Radio Twitter at BackstagePassPC, and on the website at BackstagePassRadio.com. David, thank you again for being generous with your time and sharing your story with the listeners. I wish you success in the, the future. hope you guys can make it through Houston sometime soon, and we can have a beer or a coffee or a water or what, whatever your preference is there, and I'd love to check out a, a live show you guys uh take care of yourselves and each other and thanks for tuning in to backstage pass radio
1: thanks so much for joining us we hope you enjoyed today's episode of backstage pass radio make sure to follow randy on facebook and instagram at randy halsey music and on twitter at r halsey music also make sure to like subscribe and turn on alerts for upcoming podcasts If you enjoyed the podcast, make sure to share the link with a friend and tell them Backstage Pass Radio is the best show on the web for everything music. We'll see you next time right here on Backstage Pass Radio.